Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, five ways to break a keto plateau and maximize your results. If you've been in ketosis for four or more months strict, it's time to flex out and in of ketosis. When you think about our ancestors, yes, every single one of our ancestors did keto. That's a fact. But they also, when they had the opportunity to eat carbohydrates, ate those carbohydrates and flexed out of ketosis. So we want to have this metabolic machinery built up so we could have flexibility in the metabolism and go in and out of ketosis. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast, best-selling author of Keto Flex. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. In today's episode, we're going to talk all things keto. Whether you are brand new to keto or have been doing it for years and kind of hit a plateau, I'm going to give you five ways to maximize your results. We're going to discuss optimal glucose and ketone numbers, my favorite anti-inflammatory keto foods, plus the worst unhealthy, dirty keto foods, the role of intermittent fasting. How does that come into play? I'm going to give you some fasting strategies, why it's important to improve biofunction. I'll talk about that, and we'll discuss Keto flexing, different variations. I'm going to give you a few reasons why keto long-term is not a good idea and what you should do about it, aka how to keto flex. This is going to be a masterclass for you to learn really how to maximize keto for long-term results. So I encourage you to be present, take notes. This is going to be a classic episode for you today. Before I get into the five ways, I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a two-star review from El Camino 71 titled Sales Heavy. I started listening to podcasts to avoid commercials. Ben's podcasts have upwards of 10 minutes of self-promotion and sponsored ads. Good information in many of the podcasts, but too much desperate selling. El Camino, I'm sorry you feel that way. I appreciate you taking the time either way to leave that rating and review. And it is your honest viewpoint, so I appreciate the feedback. I wanted to actually read this review because, yes, we have sponsored ads. Yes. Yes, I promote my book. I promote things that I'm doing, like webinars, because I believe in the life-changing information we provide. I also want you to consider that it takes a lot of resources to make sure we're super consistent on these episodes with show notes and high-quality sound engineering. We pay thousands of dollars each month to make sure we are consistent. And in order to cover the cost, 
these sponsored ads help so much, but they're not sponsored ads from companies that are just giving us money. No, no, no. I can't tell you how many companies I turn down every single week who want me to read an ad for them. I promote companies that I use, have been researching, I have vetted, and I believe in their products. They've made a big difference for me and hundreds of my KetoCamp Academy students. And it is a perfect fit because I promote their amazing products. If somebody purchases their amazing products, it'll improve their health and it helps cover the cost of production for the show. So I hope that makes sense. And I hope you would leave the KetoCamp podcast an honest rating and review if you haven't done so already. All right, let's dive deep into five ways to maximize your keto results. The first tip is to test, don't guess. I mean, do you even know if you're in ketosis? And if not, let's check. What about your glucose? There are three different ways to test ketones. You have beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is a finger prick, blood finger prick. You have acetoacetate, which is spilled out in the urine, aka urine strips. And then you have acetone, which is expelled in the breath. And that's going to give you a reading from breath ketone meters. Out of those three methods, one of them is not accurate, and that is the acetoacetate urine strips. The reason is because when your body is efficient and the brain is efficient at using ketones, it will not spill out in the urine, giving you a false negative with ketone production. So I'm not a big fan of urine strips. Maybe in the first couple of days it might be accurate, but after that, not so much. Breath ketone meters could be terrific. I interviewed Trey Suntrup from Biosense. They make a great one, which is fairly accurate, and you could get their meter uh, with the coupon code. We'll drop a link down below. But I'm going to focus on blood ketones, beta-hydroxybutyrate which has been called the gold standard of ketones. I personally use and recommend Keto Mojo, ketocampmachine.com if you want to check them out, ketocamp at checkout. And when you're testing your ketones, it's important to understand that we don't want to chase ketones, we want to chase results. With that being said, there is a sweet spot of ketone ranges that I would like for you to hit to maximize the benefits of keto. And that sweet spot is going to be somewhere between 0.8 to, let's say, 3.0, beta-hydroxybutyrate in the blood. If you're in between that range, you're doing something good. We also want to look at blood glucose. If we're looking at blood glucose, like the Keto Mojo gives both glucose and ketone strips, we want our fasting glucose to be somewhere in between 70 and 90. That's a good range that shows your body is healing and aging gracefully. We also want to look at postprandial glucose. Postprandial means after a meal. One hour after eating a meal, we want our postprandial glucose to be at 120 or below. Two hours postprandial, we want our blood glucose to be below 100. If you're hitting these numbers and you're staying within that 0.8 to 2.8 or 0.8 to 3.0 ketone range, your approach is working. If you're having trouble getting your ketones up, maybe you're at 0.4, 0.2, or you don't see anything on those ketone trips, Science has shown you could actually enhance ketone production endogenously. I'm not a big fan of exogenous ketones. I like to teach the body and the liver to produce it endogenously. There's tremendous research out there that shows C8 caprylic acid, which is an MCT oil, can actually enhance ketone production. Here in the current developments in nutrition, CDN, this journal shows that tricaprylin alone increases plasma ketones response more than coconut oil or other medium-chain triglycerides in acute crossover study in healthy adults. 
That's because MCT oils like C8 has the ability to bypass digestion. No bile required to break it down, no stomach acids, and it could actually go right into the mitochondria of your cells. There are also some studies on PubMed and academic journals that I'll reference down below that show the same results. I've also seen some research, and I'll put those links down below, that caffeine intake increases plasma ketones in acute metabolic study in humans in the Canadian Journal of Physiology and Pharmacology. Now, this study showed it wanted to aim to evaluate the acute ketogenic effect of two doses of caffeine in 10 healthy adults. And caffeine was given at breakfast, and this significantly stimulated ketone production in a dose-dependent manner and also raised plasma-free fatty acids. So your hack keto camper, if you're struggling to get those ketones up, for sure, limit the carbohydrates, but also have a cup of coffee in the morning, clean cup of coffee with some MCT oil. C8 would be the best to include in there. Blend it together, drink that, and you should see the desired effect. Now, when it comes to coffee, it's important to note, not all coffee is created equal. I'm a big fan of clean, organic, mold-free coffee. So I personally use Purity Coffee. If you want to check them out, go to ketocampcoffee.com. And then if you use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout, you'll get 10% off your bag of Purity Coffee Beans. So I mentioned not the importance of non-scale victories, not so much focusing on the scale, not chasing ketones, but we also want to look at inflammatory markers or lab markers in general. So I'm going to present to you nine essential lab markers to request from your doctor if you're doing keto. The first one is your hemoglobin A1C. This is the three-month average of your blood glucose. Testing your fasting glucose is great. It'll give you a snapshot of what your glucose is at that moment, but the A1C gives you a three-month average. We want this less than 5.2. That is optimal. That's the first marker to request, A1C. The second one is C-peptide. C-peptide is looking at the beta cells in your pancreas and the health of your beta cells in your pancreas. We want this somewhere between 0.8 and 3.8. That's the optimal range. The next marker is 25-hydroxyvitamin D. This is a vitamin D blood test. Vitamin D is not just a vitamin, it's a steroid hormone. Very important for many processes inside of the human body, and we want this above 60. When I interviewed Anthony J, Dr. Anthony J, Mayo Clinic scientist on the KetoCamp podcast a few months ago, he essentially said it's almost impossible to get a cytokine storm from COVID or any virus if your vitamin D levels are above 50. Uh, I think it's even better to go above 60, so get that done. The fourth marker is homocysteine. It's an inflammatory marker. We want this somewhere between 5.0 and 7.0. Anything below 7.0 is considered optimal. The next marker is HSCRP. HS stands for high-sensitivity C-reactive protein. A lot of medical doctors will look at this, and this will assess your risk of a cardiovascular event, a heart attack, heart disease, etc., and we want this below 1.0. That is considered optimal. If you can get this below 0.5, even better. The next marker is HDLC, which is high-density lipoprotein. This has been called the good cholesterol, and it is. It is protective, not technically a cholesterol, but a lipoprotein, uh, and we want to see this above 60, 60. Marker number seven is gonna be your triglycerides. The more carbohydrates you eat, the more vegetable oils you eat, the higher this is, which is inflammatory and could lead to heart disease. So ideally, we wanna see this below 100. If you could get this below 70, even better. And then you wanna take your 
HDL triglyceride ratio. What you do is you just take your total triglycerides, divide it by your HDL, get that number. Anything less than two is considered optimal. And the last marker is a HOMA IR test, which is an insulin resistance test. We want to see this less than one. Those are nine essential lab markers. You might need to rewind this and write it down. Go to your doctor, request them. That's going to be more important than the number on the scale, and it'll let you know if your keto approach is working for you or against you. The second way to maximize your keto results is to make sure you're actually breaking down the fat you're eating on keto. What does that is bile. Bile is produced by your liver. The liver is the soccer mom organ of all organs. She does everything for us. And guess what? We've beat up this poor liver from processed carbohydrates, toxins, alcohol, medication. And when the liver is producing thick, sluggish bile, it's going to be very hard to break down and assimilate vitamins A, D, E, and K, fat-soluble vitamins you're eating from your high-quality fats on keto, leading to digestive issues, leading to inflammation, leading to you feeling like crap on keto. So we want to support the liver. We want to support bile flow because not only does it help break down fat, it also helps you detoxify toxins. So incorporate these bitters every single day on keto and you'll notice a big difference. Ginger root, ginger tea, terrific. Dandelion greens and tea, artichokes, organic shade-grown coffee. We, we already spoke about that. Purity coffee is great. Lemons and limes, radishes, radicchio, small amounts of cranberries, basil, thyme, and rosemary. These are herbs you could just smell, which could stimulate stomach enzymes. Cilantro and parsley, and my favorite, which is a keto powerhouse, apple cider vinegar, which thins bile, regulates glucose. It's a great idea to take a shot of apple cider vinegar or capsules from apple cider vinegar right before a keto-friendly meal. Allow me to take a moment to talk to you about this metabolic wellness drink called Good Idea. I've been using Good Idea, and the taste is great, but more importantly, I love that it's made with clean ingredients that has been tested and proven effective in clinical trials. Good Idea contains a unique blend of amino acids and chromium picolinate that have been shown to reduce the blood sugar response to meals. As we know, balanced blood sugar means better energy, less cravings, improved metabolism, and a better mood. It's all about postprandial glucose, meaning how well controlled is your glucose after eating a meal. The taste of Good Idea is mild and refreshing, kind of like lighter sparkling water. I personally can't get enough of it. Me and my fiance Natasha go through cases every single month. And the great thing about the good folks over at Good Idea is that they gave me a promo code for Keto Camp Podcast listeners. So if you head to goodidea.us and use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout, you'll get 10% off your Good Idea drinks. That is K-E-T-O-K-A-M-P, no space in between. Go to goodidea.us or click the link down below, and it would be a good idea to go get your good idea. Tip number three is to eat my favorite anti-inflammatory keto foods and stay away from inflammatory keto foods. So we're going to talk real quick about clean keto versus dirty keto. Yes, you could be in ketosis and eating keto-friendly foods, but it doesn't mean they're healthy, and it doesn't mean it's improving your inflammatory markers. So I talk a lot about 
the importance of staying away from inflammatory fats. So I'm going to start here with the foods we want to avoid on keto. These are going to be vegetable oils, industrial seed oils. When I interviewed Dr. Kate Shanahan last year on the Keto Camp podcast, she was the nutritionist for the Los Angeles Lakers when Kobe Bryant was there. She actually introduced Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, and other players to bone broth. She's a leading authority. She wrote the book, The Fat Burn Fix, Deep Nutrition. She also endorsed my latest book, Keto Flex. She agreed that vegetable oils are worse than smoking cigarettes. I also asked Brian Peskin on the Keto Camp Podcast, MIT researcher, author of The PEO Solution, great book, the question of what's worse, cigarettes or vegetable oils? And according to Peskin's research, he said if somebody smoked two packs of cigarettes every single day for 28 years, the chances of them developing lung cancer within those 28 years is about 16%, one six. Then he said somebody who eats these vegetable oils every single day for 28 years, the chances of them developing any cancer and or heart disease is about 86%. Yikes. So I'm going to give you a list here of the following oils and fats to avoid on keto, which are highly inflammatory. They are worse than sugar because at least your body could burn down excess sugar. Your body cannot burn down these vegetable oils. I've seen some studies. There's a study called the Iowa study that shows these unstable fats could lead to inflammation around your cells and membrane for four and a half months. Here's the list of the oils I want you to avoid. Do an audit. Make sure you're not having this in any of your keto foods. Canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, cottonseed oil, safflower oil, peanut oil, sunflower oil, grapeseed oil, rice bran oil, and yes, even fish oil. I speak a lot about the dangers of fish oil. Fish oil is rancid, or at least 83% of fish oil is rancid on the shelf before you even consume it. Even if it's the best fish oil in the world, once it mixes with your stomach acids and warm body temperature, it goes rancid. It creates a problem. The brain only requires 7.2 milligrams of EPA and DHA on a daily basis. EPA and DHA is found in fish oil. Well, one capsule of fish oil has about 1,000 milligrams of EPA and DHA. That's a whole gram. People are taking one to three to four to five capsules of fish oil every single day, overdosing on EPA and DHA, which leads to a whole host of new problems. So I'm not a fan of fish oil. I instead take a plant-based oil called Pureform, which is a sponsor of the show. We have a link for them down below. So stop those inflammatory fats and replace them, especially when it comes to cooking oils, with olive oil, avocado oil, grass-fed butter, grass-fed ghee, duck fat, lard, coconut oil. These are stable fats that support your cell metabolism, reduce inflammation, help you feel satiated, and help you feel good. That's what I want you to do. And I know what you're thinking, but Ben, you said to use olive oil as a cooking oil. I heard it has a low smoke point. Well, let's debunk this real quick. You know, when it comes to the smoke point, does it really matter? Uh, not so much. There was a comprehensive study in New Zealand that took the top 10 most popular cooking oils. They tested extra virgin olive oil, virgin olive oil, regular olive oil, sunflower oil, peanut oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, grapeseed oil, rice bran oil, and canola oil. And they did two different trials. Trial number one, gradually heating the oil to 464 degrees Fahrenheit. Trial number two, deep frying the oils at 356 degrees Fahrenheit for six hours. They looked at 
several different markers. They looked at the antioxidant component, and it's no surprise, the oil that had the highest amount of antioxidants was extra virgin olive oil, followed by virgin olive oil, followed by regular olive oil, and then avocado oil. Canola, peanut, rice bran, sunflower, coconut, and grapeseed barely had any antioxidants. But the most important thing they looked at was actually something called polar compounds. Polar compounds are what is produced after the oil is heated. Polar compounds are a carcinogen. The more polar compounds, the more inflammatory the oil. So I want you to keep in mind that a lot of these bad oils that I mentioned already had the highest smoke point, but that doesn't really matter. It is the polar compounds that are produced. So what the study revealed, the oil that scored the best, which means the least amount of polar compounds after heated in both trials, was actually extra virgin olive oil, real olive oil. Although olive oil had a low smoke point, it was so protected by polyphenols and antioxidants that even heated at high temperatures, it was a safe oil to cook with. You just got to make sure it's a real olive oil. I use the ones from Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. We have a special deal for you to get a $39 bottle from the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club for a buck. We'll drop that down in the notes of this podcast. Some other of my favorite anti-inflammatory keto foods include grass-fed and finished beef, grass-fed and finished lamb, wild-caught fish, green leafy vegetables such as bok choy. I also love broccoli, Brussels sprouts, fermented veggies like kimchi is terrific and sauerkraut. Have that as your base of foods to eat on keto. And I do have an entire list of foods to eat versus what foods not to eat on keto. If you want more of a comprehensive aisle-by-aisle grocery shopping list, go to ketocampblueprint.com and download that for free today. Some other keto strategies for you to break a plateau and just reduce some inflammation is to remove spinach and almonds for the next 30 days. You should see a positive effect. Spinach, for example, has high amounts of oxalates, Not a fan of it, especially if you have some form of leaky gut. So we want to switch and replace spinach with some of the ones I mentioned earlier. Arugula, dandelion greens, bok choy, broccoli, and Brussels sprouts. And then almonds. Almonds are highly omega-6. It's about a 2,000 to 1 ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. Almonds are. So replace the almonds with healthier alternatives. Walnuts, pecans, Brazil nuts, peely nuts, macadamia nuts. You'll notice a big difference. Cow dairy can also be an issue for a lot of people. I do recommend removing cow dairy for 30 days, switching over to sheep or goat dairy, switching over your milk, cow milk with macadamia nut milk or coconut milk. Other hidden sources of inflammation on keto include legumes like peanut butter and hummus, corn and soy, which are highly GMO and sprayed with pesticides and herbicides, burning and blackening your meat, not good. It could create something called advanced glycation end products, Farm fish, which contains high amounts of PCBs, which stand for polychlorinated biphenyls, also a carcinogen, and too many nightshades like eggplants and tomatoes. So just identify if you're having a lot of those, which can be inflammatory. We also want to look at artificial sweeteners, and there is a list of ones we want to avoid on keto and healthier options for you. So when we think about artificial sweeteners, we know that there's some bad ones out there. Here's a list of the ones we want to avoid, and I'm going to share some studies to really inspire you to avoid these. Maltitol, sorbitol, mannitol, aspartame, sucralose, saccharin, asulsifame, potassium. These are inflammatory. Let's look at some research. There was a study on PubMed 
which was a human study on the pharmacokinetics of sucralose and how it moves through your system. They only accounted for 96.7% of the sucralose, meaning the other 3.3% was untraceable. Was this turning into an unusual metabolite or was it bioaccumulating in the body somewhere else? Those are scary questions. Another study on PubMed on 17 obese women showed that sucralose increased glucose and insulin levels following an oral glucose test. There's also a set of five studies here I'll put down below that show Splenda could cause weight gain. Splenda affects gut bacteria in a negative way and cooking with Splenda is downright dangerous. So we wanna switch to approved healthier options for sweeteners on keto. And this includes monk fruit, pure stevia, and erythritol. Even with those, we wanna have those in moderation. Hey Keto Camper, I wanna interrupt this episode real quick and let you know about a product I've been using to reduce inflammation and to get better sleep. When it comes to the CBD space, it is like the wild, wild west. And the company I've discovered is Dr. Phillips Formulations. It is pure, safe, potent, and yes, it's formulated by a doctor. They bring over 20 years of medical experience to their CBD oil. They have a proprietary formulation which combines pure, high quality ingredients with the knowledge of a board certified physician they have tinctures that are internationally certified for non-GMO. And here's what they also have, keto CBD fruit chews. Yes, they are keto friendly, they taste delicious, and they're a great way to reduce inflammation in the body. If you wanna get your hands on these CBD tinctures and keto fruit chews, head over to drphillipscbd.com. That is D-R-P-H-I llipscbd.com. We will also put a link for you in the podcast notes down below. Okay, let's get back to this episode. Let's move on to tip number four, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting and keto go hand in hand. They both do a good job at keeping glucose and insulin low, allowing your body to burn fat, reduce inflammation, and go through an amazing process called autophagy. So if you're not practicing intermittent fasting yet with your keto protocol, it's time to add it into the mix. If you are practicing fasting, I'm still gonna give you some advanced strategies here. Fasting is an amazing tool. A chainsaw is an amazing tool. You just gotta know how to use that chainsaw the right way. So the way that I teach it in my book, Keto Flex, is to first get fat adapted with keto and then pair intermittent fasting strategies. A great daily protocol for you to practice fasting is an 18-6 schedule, meaning 18 hours out of the day, you are in a fasted state. Just water, some sea salt, electrolytes and minerals, you're allowing your body to burn through its sugar reserves, your glycogen stores, and tap into your fat stores, which could also accelerate ketone production. During your six hours, you have an eating window, and I do recommend eating two meals that are keto-friendly, focusing primarily on protein, having 40 to 50 grams of animal-based protein at each of those keto meals, and just enough fat so that you're satiated. Of course, you're gonna keep your total carbs for that day below 50 grams to ensure you stay in ketosis. That's an 18-6 protocol. If you're already doing something like that, then it might be time to throw in a 24-hour fast once per week where you essentially go dinner to dinner or lunch to lunch or breakfast to breakfast, just having water, sea salt, minerals, electrolytes, and staying in that fasted state for 24 hours. There was some great research from MIT that shows a 24-hour water fast strengthened intestinal stem cells in mice. So if you got some gut issues, this could be a great way to reset the gut. 
if you're already doing that, then you might want to consider a extended fast, aka a block fast, which is three or more days. I do want to caution you. You got to know what you're doing. Look at your numbers, glucose and ketones. Maybe work with a health professional on that. But if you're not adding fasting into the mix, add it into the mix. Something else to consider is that you might be doing too much fasting and getting too much autophagy, which is cellular repair. It's catabolic, but in a good way. And you don't want too much autophagy. You don't want too much fasting. So you might need to have a day where you don't practice fasting and mix things up. The goal is to mix it up. Just like a great personal trainer is always going to mix up the workout for their clients, you want to do the same thing with your fasting schedule. The magic is within feasting and fasting. When you feast, you activate a pathway called mTOR. mTOR stands for mechanistic targeted rapamycin, which is anabolic growth, which can be super healing in spurts, but you don't want to have mTOR activated all the time. The opposite of mTOR is autophagy, catabolic, cellular repair, cellular cleanup. Think of an intracellular Pac-Man cleaning out damaged mitochondria and damaged cells. So we want to balance that out, and it's a seesaw effect. If mTOR goes up, autophagy goes down and vice versa. So you have to balance that out with feasting and fasting. Which brings me to tip number five, keto flexing. If you're not practicing keto flexing, this is going to blow your mind. I wrote an entire book about it, ketoflexbook.com. This is the way to balance out mTOR and autophagy. If you've been in ketosis for four or more months strict, it's time to flex out and in of ketosis. When you think about our ancestors, yes, every single one of our ancestors did keto. That's a fact. But they also, when they had the opportunity to eat carbohydrates, ate those carbohydrates and flexed out of ketosis. So we want to have this metabolic machinery built up so we could have flexibility in the metabolism and go in and out of ketosis. Here are a few reasons why we don't want to stay in ketosis for too long. Number one, you could actually slow down fat burning with prolonged ketosis. Let me give you an analogy here. Picture yourself in the woods, you're at a cabin in Alaska, and you know in a few months, it's gonna be fall and winter. It's gonna be brutal months of cold weather. So you're storing up firewood at your cabin to get ready for the cold winter months approaching. Think of the firewood as your body fat. Let's say you only saved about 15 logs of firewood and winter rolls around. Months of cold temperatures, but only 15 logs of fire to burn to keep the cabin warm. You are going to burn that firewood as slowly as possible to get through the cold winter months. Now imagine your friend coming over and saying, oh, you only have 15 logs of firewood. I have thousands of logs, so I'm going to dump a couple hundred, 200 logs of firewood for you. Now you have 215 logs of firewood. You're going to be more inspired to ramp up the burning. This is similar to introducing a keto flex day, higher healthy carb day. It's like your buddy coming over and dumping that firewood. It reminds the body it's not starving and the body will ramp up fat burning and accelerate the results you want to get on keto. How you do a keto flex day is essentially having 100 to 150 grams of healthy carbs, more protein, lower fat with no fasting. And I go into detail on this in my book, Keto Flex, ketoflexbook.com. Another reason why you don't want to stay in prolonged ketosis is because the thyroid could begin to have some issues. When you think about insulin, insulin is not the bad guy unless you're calling insulin all the time. With chronically low levels of insulin, aka prolonged ketosis, this could be an issue. When you think about how the thyroid works, you have in the 
brain, the hypothalamus pituitary, which stimulates the thyroid via thyroid-stimulating hormone, TSH, stimulates the thyroid to produce T4. T4 is the inactive form of thyroid. It needs to be converted and activated to T3. T3 is a very important fat-burning hormone, anti-aging hormone. It's so important that every cell has a receptor site for the T3 hormone. And that is used to help your mitochondria produce energy and help you burn fat. What helps make that conversion is actually insulin. Insulin helps that conversion. So with chronically low levels of insulin, this conversion could begin to dysfunction. A keto flex day is the healthy way to get a good spike of insulin and make these hormonal conversions. Not to mention progesterone, which keeps estrogen in check. Insulin helps build progesterone. That's the second reason why prolonged ketosis is not a good idea. And then another reason is an increase in 4-HNE, which stands for 4-hydroxy-nonanol. This is a nasty free radical that gets built up slowly when you are in ketosis for too long. 4-HNE in high amounts has been shown to be inflammatory, and it's caused by the oxidation of lipids, so burning too much fat, staying in ketosis for too long, you get this slow buildup of 4-HNE, and I have some studies that I'll reference in the notes of the podcast. We don't want that. That could be a pre-carcinogenic to leading to conditions like cancer and other problems, not good, and long-term ketosis can cause this. So a flex day is a great way to drive down 4-HNE. If you want to look at some of those studies, I have three of them. I'll drop them in the notes of this podcast. I didn't get into it in this episode, but you do want to practice keto flexing differently for women versus men, especially women who are menstruating versus women who are postmenopausal. In chapter 12 of my book, Keto Flex, I have an entire week-by-week breakdown on how to do this the right way. If you want to get the book, Keto Flex, head to ketoflexbook.com. It is actually currently on sale on Kindle. You could also get it on paperback. So there you have it. Those are the five ways to maximize keto, get amazing results, bust through any plateau, and look at this as a lifestyle, not a fad diet. If this podcast was helpful to you, share it with a friend, text it to somebody, just copy the link and put it in a text message, share it on social media, post it on your stories, and tag me on Instagram at TheBenazadi. I also want to encourage you to leave the Keto Camp podcast a rating or a review if you haven't done that already. really makes a big difference for the show and the algorithm for this show to get into some more hands. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.